This is the Brazilian Beat. Hello. Join us as we get to know the Brazilian percussion-making community one interview at a time. This is Courtney. And this is Diana. Hello. Hi. Hi, everybody. <laughs> How are we doing out there? So, what's going on, Courtney? Uh, my work schedule. I don't have to work Saturdays anymore for the summer. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah just for nice. the summer. So, it's kind of cool. Monday through Thursday, I'll get a three-day weekend every nice. weekend for the summer. Yeah. Play some samba on Saturday mornings. Mm-hmm. Yep. Nice. That'll be nice. happening. How about you? How's your knee coming along? Yeah, my knee sucks. I need to go to an orthopedist, so mm. I'll go do that soon. Um, but I do want to give a shout out right away to Siri Indian Restaurant in Northwest Portland where I just had <laughs> dinner. It was awesome. It's the second time I've been there. I really like it. Siri Indian Restaurant. Sweet. Let's check it out. River in Portland. It's got my vote. There's also one in, like, kind of by the airport, I think on Sandy. Namaste. Maybe. They have, it's one of those places where it's like the smell of curry is so strong you leave and all your clothes are like smell like curry. <laughs> it's like being around a campfire, but like a curry fire. Is it on 82nd? They have a big old buffet. Yeah, yeah. I think it's Namaste. Yeah. Yeah. I like that place. So, there you have it, Courtney and I, Indian food restaurants. <laughs> Any other good restaurants you've been to lately? I do. What's the name of that um, Brazilian food cart? The Brazilian food cart on <laughs> Southeast? Yeah. I don't know what the name of it is, but it's the only Brazilian food cart on, in Southeast. It's really, really good. Their feijoada is so good. Like the beans, oh, like everything is just really yeah. meaty and delicious. Yeah, she's uh, really good. Yeah, really good. Check that out. Okay. Okay. Enough about food. <laughs> so today's guest is Marco Castrucci, a friend of ours from Vancouver, BC. Marco is one part insurance professional, one part musician, one part lover of the outdoors, one part Cuban salsa dancer, and lover of the run on sentence. Along with Nick Fabin, Marco leads Bloco Energia in Vancouver, BC. Marco started playing Brazilian rhythms in 2007 with Sambata, led by Paul Bray. Since 2012, he has been focused on growing a community that is local energia and spreading his love of samba and rhythm in general. Marco loves to travel and to play with other groups when he can. Besides Vancouver, Marco has also played with groups in Toronto, Seattle, Oakland, Portland, and Rio. I met Marco several years ago at um, Honkfest West in Seattle, and um, ever since then, had a little friendship. So it was really nice to have someone on that is um, kind of a longtime friend. And then also, he was um, we actually in-person interview. He was sitting at my kitchen table, so we shared a microphone. So you'll hear um, kind of me quietly laughing in the background, <laughs> and uh, so the audio is a little bit strange on this one, but that's why. So here's our interview with Marco. Hope you enjoy it. Diana, good morning. Hey. How's it going? Good. How are you? good 
I've got a handsome man sitting next to me. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Who do you have there with you, Courtney? I have Marco. Hey from guys. Canada. <laughs> Loco Energia. Yeah, good morning. Thanks for having me on, guys. Courtney, you're such a sweet talker. Oh. <laughs> well, you're our second Canadian in a row, so we've kind of set this precedence now. Who's going to be our third? There's <laughs> mm. a lot of good candidates. Yeah. You got yeah. any recommendations? Yeah, we can talk after. <laughs> good, good, good. Well, thanks for coming on, Marco. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's it's an honor to be on the podcast with such illustrious guests. I'll do my best to hold up my end of the bargain. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be awesome. All right, let's get started. Um, tell us about where you grew up and what was it like? I grew up in Vancouver. Uh, youngest of four kids, yeah, yeah youngest of four kids we didn't have a super musical family but my mom wanted us all to take piano she kind of forced us to take classical piano and I was probably the worst out of the four <laughs> at practicing I just I couldn't get into practicing I had a great ear for music though you know where they play something and then you have to copy what they did yeah um, but then my teacher caught on to me, so she would stop doing that part of the class yeah, and ask me to play the stuff that she asked me to practice, which I didn't practice. And then there were times when she kicked me out of the class, and then I finally convinced my mom to let me quit. That was That's a happy day. Crazy. I mean, <laughs> it's almost like you have this superpower, and she like totally wanted you to I do know. it the hard way. Yeah, let's cater to your weakness. And avoid your strengths. Yeah. But, yeah, so did the classical piano. I really like the theory, too, actually. Yeah. Music's very interesting that way. I like the structure behind it. Um, so after piano, I didn't really play music at all until I started learning how to DJ a little bit, just as a hobby. And I ended up selling my turntables and I wanted to learn rhythm. I've always been attracted to rhythm, different types of music. So I bought a djembe, which is probably how a lot of people get started. <laughs> uh, and then I taught yeah, <laughs> the classic story of a young boy learning to play the djembe. <laughs> it's very romantic. <laughs> Sitting in your room teaching yourself rhythms. Um, so uh, yeah, I bought books, kind of self-taught myself, a bunch of different rhythms. And yeah, from there, just introduced, got introduced to the Brazilian scene. And I'm sure we'll talk about that more. But so that was kind of my life musically. So how did that, when did you first encounter Brazilian music? I mean, you were playing djembe in your bedroom and then met some other people? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, someone was so impressed by my playing, they came and recruited me. <laughs> no, um, well, I was going to some drum circles, and there was one in particular where the, the leader of that, the organizer of that drum circle, brought a teacher in to teach us some rhythms. Uh, his name was Paul Bray, the teacher, and he had a group in Vancouver called Sambata. And so he was teaching us Afro-Cuban rhythms, but he told us about the group and I saw his group play one time and I was fascinated by the music and actually the instrument that appealed to me the most was the tambourine. Mm. 
because they had all the uh, the diseños and yeah. they were you know dancing doing rainbows and things like that i thought it was so cool like a choreography um that was in about 2007 i started taking classes started on the surdu first surdu which i love still but um from then i started to learn kaisha to help support the kaisha section and i ended up going to brazil camp in 2008 Yay. Uh, yeah, <laughs> which was an awesome introduction to the different aspects of Brazilian culture. And y you guys know it's super immersive. And and uh, I was about a month into playing Kaisha, I remember. And I, I was teaching myself, you know, the basic and then also the like kind of the standard Kaisha ride. And I don't know, I'll never forget like the first day of Brazil camp in the advanced bateria, they always give you that scary talk, right? right. And I kind of felt like the imposter, like I was going to get figured out. Can you tell our viewers, or our listeners rather, what that scary talk is about? Oh, well, scary. yeah. Well, <laughs> Georgie's a pretty intimidating guy by himself, so he's kind of there, standing, scowling. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, Dennis comes, and he... Uh, he kind of lays it all out there and he says this is advanced bateria you know you guys need to respect the players that come here to learn and if you are not supposed to be here you shouldn't be here and you know who you are <laughs> <laughs> and i was like damn i think he's talking about me <laughs> so but then <laughs> they they get the kaishas going in a line and they're everybody's playing and Curtis, he he kind of walks through and looks very closely at your hands and stares at you a little bit, and they start stopping people one by one. Ooh. There was maybe 20 kaishas, yeah. and I was on the far end, so they stopped most of the kaisha players. There was like three left, and it got to me, and I was barely hanging on, <laughs> really Sweating focused, bullets, concentrating. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> and he stopped in front of me and he was just looking at me for extra time. I know that look. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I'm just holding on, holding on. And he finally let me stop. And I was like, thank God. So I made it through and I made sure for that week to, st I was standing in between Jacare and Brian Davis, who were both playing Kaisha as well. And I just try to absorb their rhythm, rhythmical force. That's Tio Jacare from Austin Samba, episode two, and Brian Davis, who used to run the Lions of Batucada in Portland, and he is yet to have an episode, but maybe soon. Well, he's yes. a he's on tour with Pink Martini, so he's always busy. He was actually in Vancouver oh, the day we had to do. Oh, nice. So we, we couldn't connect, but yeah, world famous musicians, you know. <laughs> so that was in 2008. Um, and I was playing with Sambata for, it must have been about seven or eight years. And about six years ago, uh, Paul Bray, who was leading Sambata, he, he was going through um, some changes in his life. And uh, I think he wasn't really getting what he needed out of the group as a leader. He'd been doing it for 11 years. And it's wow. really difficult leading a group, a community group. <laughs> 
and um he was really involved with all aspects of it so um he decided to take a step back and uh, the people in the group still wanted to continue playing so we kept it going we had to figure out a name and figure out what we were going to play and instruments and things like that and uh we we decided on Blanco Energia I always wanted to have a group that I don't know just brings energy to a party you know gets people dancing and jumping and yeah which is funny because I'm super laid back (laughs) 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 yeah it's kind of a dichotomy I guess I don't know well your co-director Nick yeah Nick definitely makes up for it he's very bombastic yeah. I would say yeah yeah Nick was he was in Sambata as well and he moved to Toronto for um, I think his wife was going to school there so they went out to Toronto and he was playing with a group called uh, Samba Legua I believe in Toronto which is a big community group there and he was getting into leadership and so when he came back he got in touch with me which was awesome and said yeah i want to help out with the project and so we take turns leading gigs and teaching classes and that's a huge help i don't i don't know if i could do it just by myself long term yeah it's a lot of responsibility when you're doing it by yourself so marco you have um this group that plays brazilian music do you kind of just do a lot of different arrangements do you do just Rio style or do you do Samba Hege? What can you tell us a little bit about your group? Yeah, definitely. Uh, we do a bit of everything. Um, we've had a lot of different teachers come through. My first love was Rio style Samba and I have a fondness for that. Um, but we also do Samba Reggae, quite a bit of Samba Reggae and uh, we have we had a Coco piece. We just had Dudu up last week so he taught us a funk and a Congo. But we do a bit of everything, except uh, we don't do any maraca too, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And you've had Marco Marco Santos up there too, right? Yeah, he's been up twice. He taught us some of the Grooversity rhythms. Mm-hmm. That was super fun. Fired up. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought it, he was saying fired. No, fired up. But he's saying fired up. I think. Yes. I think it's fired up. Marcus, he listens. <laughs> he, hey, Marcus Santos. He just doesn't listen to his own. So, <laughs> Yeah, he's been up a couple times. We've had uh, Georgie Alabay came up a couple times as well. He worked us on some Samba stuff. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, Mark Lamson came when it was still Sambata. That was awesome. And uh, Jimmy Biala, nice. the illustrious Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Uh, You've had all our podcast guests uh, yeah. there. <laughs> I taught them all they know. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe none of them mentioned me as one of their teachers. No, so I'm super disappointed. Think. Yeah. Uh, I'll have to talk to them. And so, how does your group run? Do you have like section leaders? Um, do you have, are you and Nick the, the whole. Um, directorial team or do you have other people who do admin how is your group um structured nick and i rule with an iron fist (laughs) (laughs) it's like boot camp um no we nick and i 
teach. Um, we've had some members that have been involved for a long time, so they'll kind of help out a little bit, like just showing people rhythms and things like that. But we don't have section leaders per se. Um, and we recently, well, not so recently, I guess, about a year ago, we lost a bunch of our best players in different sections just for life. One person moved away. Um, a couple people moved away. And so we lost a bunch of members. Um, but we do have people who help out with some of the admin. Um, one lady, Sandy, she helps with arranging bookings, which is a huge deal because a lot of emails trading back and forth, right? So she helps with that and set, setting up polls to see who's available for gigs. Um, yeah, yeah. But we try to keep it small. Like we just got a website about a year ago. I was fighting against it. I didn't want to get one. Because <laughs> if you set up a website, then somebody has to update it, right? Right. I don't want, I don't want to do that. But we have Facebook and, um, yeah. I kind of handle a lot of the admin e type stuff, like banking and things like that. And... Uh, and Nick, he provides the inspirational energy. Are you guys a nonprofit? As in, do we make profits? Well, like. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, we're not officially. No, yeah. we're just uh, just a group of people who likes playing Brazilian music. Yeah. How big is your group? Uh, Oops, sorry. Go ahead. No, it's fine. Like Alex was saying on the last uh, podcast, I was listening to. You know, there's board of director meetings and things like that. And so yep. paperwork. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we have 20 people in our group right now, roughly, give or take. Um, it, it varies, you know, it goes up and down. It's kind of a, a cyclical. Uh, we've had up to 25 to 30. Um, but right now it's 20. And we've had a, a lot of new people actually coming out to classes, which has been good. We've had some new energy in the group. A uh, fellow named Marcelo. Shout out to Marcelo. Uh, he's he's from Rio, and uh, I met him yeah. at a party at Toji's house. He was oh yeah, yeah 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 yeah. He's a cool guy. Yeah, super nice guy, and he was playing with Orchestra Voador in Rio, which mm. is a super fun bloco. They they have a lot of horns, mm-hmm. and so they play felacuti music oh, and right like. On all different types of uh, popular music yeah which has uh, always been one of my goals is to get some horns involved and uh mix samba with afrobeat i think would be awesome i know the answer to this question but um where do you guys rehearse and how is that structured and i know you guys charge a fee right which is a little bit different than some other groups yeah we there's a studio in vancouver that we rehearse at it's called casa del artista um, it's pretty great because we can store our instruments there. So the band owns all the instruments. Um, yeah, the room could be a bit bigger and it gets hot in the summer, but maybe that's the authentic experience. (laughs) Hot Samba, we're starting a new trend. You warm up faster that way, right? Yeah, exactly. We can just jump in and start playing. Bikram Samba. Uh, (laughs) So 
yeah, we, we have classes on Wednesdays, which is uh, open to the public. And that kind of varies what we do that day, depending on who shows up. I kind of just fly by the seat of my pants. Mm-hmm. And on Sundays, we have our rehearsals for three hours where we go over all of our material. And yeah, like you said, we do have a, a membership fee. So all that money goes to paying for instruments, studio space, bringing up teachers and things like that. Um, you know, I got into samba for the fame and the fortune, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm still waiting. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think I was done with that. Is that how you bought all that is how you bought all the drums was with the the membership fee? Yeah, so in the beginning when when it was going through the transition of Sambata to Block Energia, we had the instruments that Paul was using for the group and he said that we could continue to use them. Um but we ended up um giving those back to him and I purchased a bunch of surdus kind of with my own money and then the band paid me back over time there's a guy Milton Randall up in Vancouver he's got a warehouse group masters percussion and he's got all these surdos he deals with Izo and mm-hmm. uh, he's got all surdos chimbaos really yeah. <laughs> we're gonna have to talk <laughs> yeah so yeah we stocked up and um the rest is history yeah we're Vancouver is strange because I guess there are some professional samba groups like uh, the capoeira groups mostly have little musical groups that play professionally. Um, But as far as community groups, we're pretty much the only one. Yeah. So we've got we've cornered the market, samba market. Well, you guys played, didn't you play like a big soccer show or something like a big what did you do a couple of years ago you had a big what, what was it? well we've done oh, some strange that? ones like, yeah so we've done some interest, interesting ones there was the women's world cup That's which was in vancouver yeah. that was a really fun one they booked us like three times a week and so we would parade people from yeah. the fan zone oh, cool. to the stadium oh, nice. yeah and then we'd play in front of the stadium those were fun I remember the last game, I think the U.S. was playing, and there were these forest fires going on. So it was super eerie. It was like there was this orange glow in the sky. Weird. Yeah. It was like the apocalypse, and we're playing for the apocalypse. (laughs) And then all these bands came, started doing backflips and gymnastics and stuff while we were playing. Just some random people. Random people? Like from the audience? Yeah. One person was doing breakdancing and stuff. Well, see, your goal of like having all this crazy energy worked yeah. right yeah. <laughs> there you go prime example Mission accomplished <laughs> yeah it's fun actually one question you guys should ask your guests is what's the weirdest or most awkward experience people have had playing music that's a, good one. That's a great question all right yeah so, was that yours or is there another yeah. one no no that was a fun one but we've had so one that i like to tell is um we were hired to do a wedding a reception by somebody who'd never seen us play. He, oh, no. he lived in the States. I think he was the MC of the wedding. And uh, he sent us an email. Hey, can I get you guys to play? And we said, sure. He was going to come and check it out. 
and he never did, but he still booked us. And so there were about five of us going to play this gig. This is a number of years ago, before Block Energy, actually. And five of us were going out to play, and one of the people hadn't been playing with the group for a while, so she didn't really know the material. And we're kind of singing it and going over it on the way to the gig, <laughs> which is always a good sign. And we show up to the wedding, and first it was... Um, the families, one side of the family was Muslim and one side of the family was Hindu. And so the Hindu weddings I've been to, they super fun. They like drinking, music, dancing, partying. Um, but I'd never been to a Muslim ceremony and they didn't uh, allow alcohol there. So nobody was drinking at all in this reception. And, and so we asked them, so where should we sit? And so, oh yeah, just sit over there, table number five or whatever. We sit down and we start using the cutlery and eating and everything. And these people start sitting there and it's like the sister of the bride and the cousin. And so they sat us at like the table of honor. So like, okay, this is kind of weird. We should get out of here. And we're dirtying all their utensils. And so then the speeches start and it's super heartfelt and people are crying and she's telling the story about how they grew up and is crying and then the MC comes on and and up next Sambata <laughs> so we start playing and there's a huge dance floor it's empty and everybody else is sitting down about 300 people sitting down just staring at us and we're playing Samba super nervous and they had a video camera focused up close on our hands and big screens on each wall <laughs> yeah <laughs> huge screens it was like a nightmare you know the only thing that could have added to it was if we showed up naked or something or if they added a metronome and we're just like oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so <laughs> we're just playing there doing our best smiling and like yeah we're having fun yes awesome. yeah and as soon as we're done i was like get the check let's get out of here <laughs> uh, that was one of the bad ones <laughs> but i'm sure everyone has a story like that you know yeah definitely put in these strange situations with samba sometimes yeah. people don't know what to expect or don't know what they've booked <laughs> <laughs> one of the best ones last um february last year we were in rio my girlfriend and i veronica and uh we got to play with dudu's group Bangala oh, or Batuka Lakatuka. Nice. Yeah. Parachuted in for a rehearsal. <laughs> <laughs> Asked him if we could play. He's like, sure. Came out. And, awesome. Uh, yeah. Played at the Parque du Patinge, I think it's called. It's like a big roller skating rink outdoors. Oh, wow. And, oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Played his arrangements. It's super cool. Fun. Awesome. That's the fun part about this type of music and being part of the community, you have all these friends in different parts of the world. Yeah. Right. And if you're traveling, you can come and play with their group and see how it is. And it's it's interesting. Like I played with you guys in Portland, mm -hmm. played with that all the groups in Toronto, Rio, Oakland. Super fun. I'd like to do a samba tour one day. Get a van or something. That would be fun. <laughs> Just travel across country. Yeah. 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 I have this this um idea of right like the week before Brazil camp of getting a um car with like a horse trailer like a big van or something and starting in 
Vancouver and picking up instruments for people so they can fly to Brazil camp and not have oh, to drive and like crazy. drive all their stuff and just stop, you know, start in BC and then go to um, Seattle and uh, Olympia and Portland and Eugene and Arcadia and just pick up everybody's stuff on the way down and then like drop it all back off on the way up and like play with people and like, yeah, spend the night with people. And stuff. Yeah. I think you're onto something here. <laughs> it could be a Samba Sherpa. Yeah. <laughs> You get one coming from like San Diego and heading north and yeah. You can even offer some type of glamping setup for people, <laughs> you know, <laughs> where they have dresser drawers in their, in their tent, pedicures and stuff. Yeah. Well, Hand massages. Brazil glamp. Uh, Courtney does carry a big uh, disco karaoke speaker in her stuff to camp. Yeah, look out this year. We have two block rockers and a disco ball. And so. a disco ball, yeah. Party time. <laughs> At Diana's tent, 10-8. Oh, man, that first year of camp was amazing, 2008. It was just such an eye-opening experience. And they there were a lot of parties in the tents. Mm-hmm. Right. I remember Bahaka Kinsey was a big one. I forget the guy's name, but yeah, the music was amazing totally like changed well and you'd only been playing for like a year right and then you went yeah and i remember like coming back the drive back was like 20 hours and i just listened to all my recordings looped my sister happened to be in california she picked me up and and uh so she was driving and yeah i was just listening to all the recordings and came back i was super fired up but then uh like the level of the group was not exactly. the level of the Brazil camp group, right? So you have to, as a leader, a lot of times it's, you have to manage your expectations, you know, like sometimes you'll prepare for a class and you're listening to songs and you get super fired up and yeah, we're going to do this. We're going to do that, that, that. And then you get there and it's like, okay, just got to slow down <laughs> a bit. A bit. Yeah. yeah. I think that transition coming from camp to real life, you know, hits you in so many different ways, you know, just like being in the middle of your regular city, being in, you know, back to work and coming back to rehearsals that, you know, you're all jacked for, but they haven't learned all this material with you. Yeah. And I, I find that it's, yeah, it's very difficult coming back. Yeah. And just the energy that rubs off on you from all the creative people there and the mm-hmm. musicians and everything. I remember listening to your guys show after Brazil camp and it was like, you were on withdrawals or something. You were super emotional. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's an amazing time. It's like paradise out there. It for is. two weeks. Yeah. How did you find out about it? Um, I think somebody in the group I was playing with had been one time. Mm-hmm. And she said, yeah, you should definitely go check it out. Yeah. And I went and I didn't know that much about Brazilian music. Actually, at that time... Because in Vancouver, it's pretty far removed from Rio and what's going on down there. So we're learning this music, but you're pretty detached. So the ways I would learn about samba and the whole scene down there was uh, reading the Samba Gypsy blog. Have you guys ever oh, heard Kathleen, about that? Oh, Kathleen, yeah. Yeah, Kathleen Hunt, yeah. I never met her, but I owe a lot of my knowledge to her. <laughs> and so awesome. right around that time. Yeah, right around that time, 2008, she was writing a lot, I think. And I went yeah. back and read all of them, 
blogs and that's how I learned about Dudu and Bangala Fumenga and I think she wrote about Jonas I can't remember I think so um, too yeah because I think she played with um, um, who was he leading then um, Kubango no or, Kubango yeah exactly yeah yeah so reading about all these people and then later on meeting them and getting to play with them that was pretty awesome wow yeah it is her name keeps coming up. People keep telling me I need to meet her because I guess she does. She's a scientist and. Yeah, she does like some kind of research in yeah. with ocean stuff, which I've done. So yeah. Anyway, her name keeps coming up. It's funny. You guys should get her on. She'd probably have some stories. She's always traveling, but she's always yeah. like, but then I hear, oh, she's in Rio for the Olympics or, oh, she's yeah. in Rio for carnival. So yeah. <laughs> And her stories are like, yeah, I got there and it said, I'm not going to play any drums. And then Dudu grabs her and says, you're playing third. We're <laughs> performing right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the massive performance. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was pretty amazing getting to see Carnival and all the music and everything going on. We stayed for about three weeks last year nice. in February awesome. in Copacabana. And Georgie was leading a tour at that time, so we hung out with him for a bit, and we met Dev down there and a few other people. Saw some practices and went out to some street parties. Made a huge rookie mistake, got my phone pickpocketed. Oh. <laughs> but it's super fun. Was that the first time you had been to Brazil? Yeah. Yeah, I've always wanted to go because people always ask you. Right? Well, the first question is, are you Brazilian? Like after you finish yeah. your show, your set, are you Brazilian? No, I'm from Canada. Yeah, I make a little joke. <laughs> that <laughs> maybe my heart's Brazilian, I don't know. And then, have you been to Brazil? Right, and it's and so it's it's good to be able to say yes to that and to see the context of the music and where it comes from. And uh, just all the different facets, right? Because we do the drumming, but, you know, the song and the dancing, it's all part of it. Mm -hmm. yeah. And just how seriously they take samba. You know, that's their goal for the whole year is to learn this one song and do it perfectly. It's like the Super Bowl, waiting for the results. They broadcast the results and, mm -hmm. yeah, and they're... You know, that's like their team. Their Escola is their, their team and they're cheering for them. And it's you can't really instill that here because it's not as big of a deal. You know, over there, they're practicing the groove and like it's they need to do it perfectly to get that 10 out of 10. Whereas right. here, there's everybody's got different motivations for playing. Some people aren't really even as into the music. They just want to hang out with some nice people. And, you know, there's different people are on different levels of the spectrum. Well, and we also in, I mean, for in North America and it sounds like in Europe too, we play so many different styles. Usually one group will play, you know, multiple styles, multiple songs. You know, you might have like 12 songs that you need to learn and play perfectly well and... It goes year round, so the motivation. It's not like you're building up to one big thing. You know, you're kind of just always playing, so the motivation can lack sometimes. Yeah, mm -hmm. it ebbs and flows definitely. One thing I learned about Brazilians is that they 
like they can listen to songs on repeat and still have as much fun <laughs> and excitement the fifth time as the first time. Like there were times where <laughs> we'd hear from our um, our balcony, uh, like Mar- Marchinha going for like an hour, the same rhythm. <laughs> and like it was so much fun every time or the baile funk just over and over and over it's tough when you don't know the words to some of the songs to really enjoy it as much as some people do so been trying to learn a bit more Portuguese and learn the songs I've actually been trying to learn the cavaquinho lately oh, cool. yeah working on that I think I might focus on that a little bit more this year what are you doing to learn Portuguese I use Pimsler that's a good one it's, a, it's like Rosetta Stone's recordings they say the words and then you repeat so I was using that and I got this book fluent forever I haven't had a chance to open it up life's kind of crazy right now just started a new job. Oh, you did? Yeah. Made a huge mistake, volunteered to be the strata president for our apartment building. <laughs> and then teaching the group and finding time for family and girl, my, spend time with my girlfriend and friends and stuff. Yeah. So, Marco, with your group, do you guys, um, you were mentioning songs and stuff. Do you, do you do songs within the group? No, we haven't re- really. We We kind of flirted with, doing one song for a while a makulele mm-hmm. where we sang uh, Boa Noite mm-hmm. oh, Boa Noite Bacanji Boa Noite that song mm-hmm. so um, but we we don't usually use amplifiers and we don't have other instruments in the group I'd like to though it's one of my goals is to have a, a stage show mm-hmm. the, we do our best work like when we're in the crowd and things are getting crazy. It's nighttime, street parties. Those are my favorite gigs. But once in a while, you get booked for a stage, and you know, I feel like you need to raise your game a little bit. Right. And do you have dancers? We do not. We perform with a dancing group sometimes. There's a group uh-huh. in Vancouver called Samba Fusion, um, but they're more of a professional group. Like uh-huh. they'll dance at the steakhouse and they do events themselves. So sometimes for events where they want a, bat- a bateria as well, we'll join in. Mm-hmm. And we have a little choreography that we do. We'll pro- usually follow their choreography. But we don't have our own dancing group, which is too bad because that, that's super fun. It really adds to the energy. Right. It kind of papers over a lot of the cracks too in the playing. <laughs> <laughs> have like a, a beautiful woman in front of you dancing yeah. <laughs> and people are looking at that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I think it was, uh, I saw this video and it was, I think Mangera and they're playing so good, so tight and so fast and it was amazing and nobody's looking at them. <laughs> <laughs> they're just looking at this one lady dancing in the, on stage or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Do you see your group do do you guys do activities outside of playing samba to kind of build community? You know. Yeah, we do a lot of drinking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, we'll we'll hang out. It 
that also ebbs and flows, like depending on who's in the group. You know, there's people who are more social. And so depending on how involved they are, we'll set up parties, birthdays and things like that. We we should do more of it, though. I'd like to do more of it, barbecues and things. Um, I don't know. It just seems like everybody's so busy. Right. Vancouver, it's like go, go, go. Everyone's in their bubble getting things done, you know. And so that's one of the reasons I think why people get involved in this is because they don't really have communities to be in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think people, technology can sometimes isolate people, which is funny because it's, you're supposed to bring, bring people together. Someone told me a saying once, um, technology is good at bringing you closer to people that are far away, but then bringing you further away from people you're close to. Really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that kind of isolates people and, Community groups are people's way to connect and you have your tribe, right? Actually, that's one of the great things about the group. Like some people have come to the group after, you know, having a bad time, like maybe a divorce or, you know, their their relationship has changed or people have had people that have passed away in their lives. And our group really helps them through that, Hmm. gives them a place to have fun and not think about, you know, the drama that's going on in your life. I know Jason in um, one of the uh, Kaisha players, bell players in uh, Bloco Alegria is a, is a therapist and he deals with some really intense situations. What he says when he's with the group and when he's playing, you know, on Monday nights that he just doesn't even think about it. It's just all, you know, I, that I think is really common. <laughs> yeah. I remember when I first started playing, I would have the flu or something and I wouldn't really feel like going to class, but I said, no, I'm just going to go. And as soon as you start playing, you just totally forget you're sick yep. for two, three hours. You're, <laughs> you doesn't even register. And then you finish you're like, oh, man, I'm really sick. <laughs> <laughs> but you forgot for that time while you were playing. Yeah, yeah it's great stress relief. There's a, uh, a uh, West African teacher from Senegal, uh, Mamadou Lamine Chubu, who always says, the drum will heal you. Like, you're like, oh, I'm not feeling well. I'm not feeling like coming to class. The drum will heal you. You know, <laughs> this is his line all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I remember we were partying at a, a beach like it was the day before. My friend was going to go to the Philippines and he would swing on a rope swing. And I said, you let go first. But he let go like right at the top of the swing. <laughs> He went flying and smoked his foot on the rocks. It was a rocky beach and he had flip-flops on. (laughs) And he was leaving for the Philippines the next morning. And there's a stairway to get down to that beach. So we had to climb back up the stairway and his foot's all messed up. And I was just like tapping my djembe, doing a little rhythm. (laughs) This is a healing rhythm. You'll be fine by tomorrow. (laughs) It didn't really work, but... (laughs) I think it distracted him for a bit, at least. <laughs> so you told us a while back about some of the teachers you've had in Vancouver. Um, can you tell us like some of your favorites and what qualities you like in, in a teacher and how you learn as well? Um, well, they've, they've all been great. Um, I like, I like mixture, a mixture of styles. Um, <clears throat> it started with Paul Bray. He's a great musician, 
uh, really respectful of the music and the traditions. He's studied in Cuba for a long time, he had great rhythm. Um, so he kind of started that passion, started building that passion. And um, yeah, it's funny, there's sort of two categories of teacher almost. There's the stern one that kind of you're f- fearful of, and there's the joyful, bouncy, happy one. And I like both styles. I, I like to be a bit scared while I'm playing, you know, it motivates you. Fear can be a pretty strong motivator. And I've had to pull that out sometimes when I'm teaching too, you know, if things aren't coming together before a gig, just, you know, death threats are a good way to <laughs> get the group <laughs> motivated. <laughs> um, but yeah, we've had, you know, Georgie, um, Dudu, Dudu's probably one of the more fun, bouncy, energetic. Marcus, of course, very energetic. And then there's um, Georgie, who's pretty serious about the music and about playing it correctly. Um, But I find with our group, they normally respond to the happier, more energetic type of teaching style versus the fear one which is interesting because that in Brazil I I feel like the stern strict style is a, is more common whereas here people don't really want to be like told what to do you know yeah yeah um I I think that's one of the things I'm good at is balancing you know, holding people to a certain standard and pushing them to get better, but doing it in a way that's doesn't make them feel bad about where they're at or, you know, we all have to start somewhere and learn. And, you know, some people, I think there's a scale where people start and some people start at seven out of 10 rhythmic ability and some people start at negative five. (laughs) (laughs) And, But, you know, you can get there. It just may take more work for some people than others. And I try to be honest with people. I think honesty is important. That's good because that's kind of hard. Yeah, it is hard. It's You try to do it so that it's not a judgment, right? You're just right. kind of saying how it is. You're not commenting on them personally. Sure. But people should be, should go in with their eyes open. Because it's a group, right? And if somebody's not holding their their weight it wears on the other people and that it becomes hard to keep strong members if yeah. the quality isn't there right so you have to push and try to make sure the quality is a certain level but keep it fun for people and not over overwhelm them mm-hmm. what's your process of bringing people from your beginner group into your performing group we have a very strict boot camp they have to do 20 push-ups, pegboard. <laughs> yeah. They haul gear for a year in the snow. Um, no, we, it's usually by invite. And for me, it's a mixture of uh, three things, personality, dedication, and rhythmic ability. And you don't have to be a superstar at rhythm but you should have some mixture of those three like maybe a person's not the greatest rhythmically but they come every week they're super fired up and you know they're good energy 
and you know some somebody else may be really good rhythmically but not as dedicated they can only come here and there so I, it's kind of a balance between those categories and so we invite them in we have recordings online um, we have unlisted videos on YouTube which we've put together in playlists of our different rhythms so they can go on there and learn um, and sometimes I'll do sectionals before the classes on Wednesdays just like stick technique and things like that because that can be sometimes hard for people when they're first coming in it's like feels like foreign the way you hold a kaisha it's like a little claw <laughs> it's not very unnatural so you have to work on that that's good you provide some stick technique there's a lot of people who get kind of far before they even heard about that you know yeah and when you look at brazilians when they're playing like they have all different ways of holding a kaisha stick you know so i try and you know i kind of make suggestions but we get really caught up on like this is the way it should be between the third and the fourth knuckle on your <laughs> left hand at a 45 <laughs> degree angle and you should be rotating your wrist like this but there you know they just grab it and start playing and it's as long as the swing is there the technique doesn't matter if you have one finger or two fingers on the stick yeah yeah it's a bit of a fine balance because you can also though if you're playing too stiff you can run into some injuries too if you're playing for a really long time with a bad technique and too hard you know yeah uh, like i was saying before that we started when i first started learning hipiki and you're basically you're just bashing your hand against the metal rim over and over and over <laughs> why would somebody want to do that but <laughs> and then afterwards you look at your hand it's all red and throbbing and sh shaking it's like crying out for <laughs> mercy <laughs> and you're like yeah we're gonna do this again next week hand <laughs> yeah so that yeah it's important to play with good technique so you minimize that yeah what about conflict drama do you guys have of course you do everybody does but any sort of like techniques tips you have for people in dealing with um Interpersonal drama in groups? Yeah, you have to crush the uprising. <laughs> <laughs> There's that iron fist. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, we're Canadian, so we're super polite. We <laughs> 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 say sorry and excuse me and things like that. <laughs> we apologize for saying sorry. Uh, <laughs> But for the most part, we've been pretty lucky that there haven't been any big conflicts. I think if they usually sort of work themselves out. Um, again, you know, honesty, trying to get things out in the open. Usually people can talk things through. Yeah. But, you know, I do feel that a group, while being democratic is good, a lot of people just want to be led yeah. and they don't want to have to make decisions. The majority of people, they want the leader to make the calls. So you try to include people in the decision-making process, but you need to make the final, final decision in the end. And people appreciate that. Otherwise, you can just go around in circles talking and talking. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I think, too, of all your vetting process, too, of like, you know, for 
inviting beginners to come in, you can avoid some bombastic personality types. Yeah. <laughs> we won't go there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, how do you guys get gigs? Do you have... If you didn't have a website... Yeah, well... We... We started getting some of the community events um, and people just see you playing and they they reach out. Uh, we have the Facebook page, um, business cards. We hand them out when we're playing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I was just thinking back. Have you guys ever played with politicians? No. <laughs> no. There was one, there was one a couple of gigs actually. We've... We got hired to do this like political rally. That was an interesting one. And then the mayor actually paraded with us. Apparently he plays congas. Um, but he <laughs> he he was like hitting the tambourine and walking with us in the parade. Weird. Yeah. I don't know how we got on that subject, but that just popped into my head. <laughs> like the weird gig thing. Just getting gigs um yeah mostly people have seen us they reach out we're trying to work on our seo right now <laughs> you guys did a good job because when you first started it was brazilian beats right they have that one guy has a podcast with brazilian music yeah um and then so when i would search with you for you guys it was always so frustrating i don't want brazilian beats i want the brazilian beat <laughs> But now you guys took over, and now you're at the top of it. We did? Yeah. Although, the, Courtney, there is a guy who does a radio show here in Portland on Saturday mornings. He took over for Krishna, and um, he's the Brazilian beat, too. I know. I listen to him when I'm at work. I always want to call him and be like, dude, <laughs> you should uh, advertise for us. <laughs> it's like the WWF. <laughs> but we're the podcast, so... Yeah. How do you motivate people to practice? Do you have any tips for getting people motivated? Yeah, fear, again. <laughs> Death threats, fear and intimidation. Torture, yeah. Torture, yeah. Um, usually having a big gig coming up helps. Yeah. And I joke, but fear is a good motivator too. If people aren't there, letting them know. You know, guys, like we we really need to tighten it up for for these gigs coming up. Um, and at times we've had to um, say, like, for certain gigs, we'll see if people are ready and pick the right people to play that gig, depending on what it is. Um, but I think people naturally want to practice when the energy levels are high and when there's a lot of positive energy in the group. So trying to foster that energy can uh, inspire people to practice. And then trying to get people to go to Brazil camp is a big thing too, just so that they can see, be exposed to it in other contexts and other groups and, you know, see how rewarding it can be. Yeah, it, playing music's pretty awesome and playing it well and tightly in a big group. You know, there have been times at Brazil camp when I'm playing and, you start to get the goosebumps mm -hmm. and your hair and like your yep. it's tingling and everything. And it's like that feeling of, of awe of how, how good it is. And yeah, it's a magical thing.
Yeah, Jimmy, I was talking to Jimmy. Well, I mean, this year with, or last year with uh, Maestri Jonas, I mean, he was just so happy and energetic and like in the middle of it, I started tearing up a little bit and I was talking to Jimmy about it. I was like, yeah, I almost cried in the middle of that. And he was just like, I see that quite a bit. People, you know, um, tearing up and stuff while they're playing. Yeah. I almost lost it the first time at Brazil camp at the end. Cause it's like all this, all this work and practice and, you know, people are learning the dance and, you know, it's foreign to a lot of people and the, and then the drummers are learning the drumming and then at the end it just all comes together all the work from the whole week and and uh yeah it's beautiful that people are getting exposed to this other culture and you know kind of adopting it and how much happiness it can spread i feel like brazilians are really good at commenting on on life and uh just the emotion in life, you know, the songs that they sing and even the way they talk, they're just more, it's more personal and more about emotion and personality. And um, in North America, maybe sometimes we lose that a bit. It's a bit more sanitized almost. Mm-hmm. It's hard. I feel, I feel like it's hard for us to be more vulnerable in that way like really kind of tell someone how you feel about them you know like and I know at least just having Dudu stay with us for a couple weeks it was just so refreshing to have somebody who's around who's just like well first of all really experiencing North America you know and really getting into to this but then just he's just I mean I don't know vulnerable is the word but he's just really open with with how he feels about things and that was really nice yeah that's awesome it's something that I try to work on a lot Yeah. So Marco, do you have any, um, when you, when you went to Brazil this year, obviously you got to hang out and do things. Do you have any suggestions for people that are going to go to Brazil? Hmm. Places you really liked, food Don't you ate. Don't put your phone in your pocket. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Little tips about your phone. Um, well, we Where stay, uh, I guess in your underwear, I'm not really sure what people <laughs> do. <laughs> Uh, leave it at home or money belt maybe. Um, but we stayed in an apartment and we did a bit of research before. And there was this one place I read about called beep, beep, B I P B I P. And it's sort of like a cultural icon there. And we were looking for it. We couldn't see it. We asked somebody and he said, Oh yeah, it's right here. It opens at night only. So it's this tiny place. It's like smaller than a person's living room. And they just have a table in the middle with musicians sitting around it and one fridge in the back with cold beers. And the owner sits on these plastic chairs outside. And he's got a super raspy voice like the Godfather. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, he just sits there and he'll sell. Someone comes and pays him the beer. He puts it in a bowl. He puts all the money in a bowl. There's no cash register. And he writes something in his book. I don't know what he's writing. And then he's just sitting there. And I got my beer and he kind of gave me one of those like taps on the side of the the face. You know, like it's a total Godfather moment. Yeah. <laughs> but the music's awesome. Everybody, everybody kind of, it, it just spills out onto the sidewalk. Like people are standing around inside, like just 
up against the walls. There's barely any room. And uh, everyone's just out on the sidewalk. And it goes to like one or two. It's all pagodji and shora music. So that was cool. Beep, beep. And um, Batuka La Katuka was super fun too. Uh, Dudu's group. He has people that come from Italy and all over. And they just come and, and play for Carnival. So I think it gets pretty big at that time. Um, we unfortunately didn't get to see too many Escolas, so can't really comment on that. Um, but yeah, that, before we went, we were reading about the different blocos that were playing. Something like 800 blocos, like in a month. Just crazy. And there's, and they, so they have a list, and it's like this, and they categorize it by how many people are going to be there. So it's like 10,000. 1,000, 100, 1 million. Like there's multiple parties where there's a million people. That's interesting that they tell you what the crowd size is going to be because that way you can tailor your, like, if you don't want to deal with a million people. (laughs) I just think I want 100,000 today. (laughs) Yeah. Super fun though. Music everywhere. Yeah. What inspires you? to keep going to keep I mean running a group is a lot of work you know and keeping people motivated and all that time in the evenings yeah I think what inspires me is bringing happiness to other people and uh, leading the group with Nick is a huge help like I don't know that I could do it by myself um but yeah, just the smile on people's faces, you know, especially when people come for the first time, they're brand new, they're super shy when they come in the room. You always can tell, I'm like, oh, what should I play? And then you stick them on whichever instrument and then the class gets rolling and everyone's having a good time. And and then you just see the smile on their faces and they thanking you after and they had no idea right and but when they when they go out of there they definitely have an idea now (laughs) Um, so there's that and also seeing people talk after you play too and just seeing the friendships that you can grow and build between people that's probably what keeps me going and when it's tight and good and the music is good that also helps Diana you have anything? Marco, here's a really important question. Okay. What What's in your drum bag? In your stick what's case in or drum, drum bag? bag? Too much stuff. It's falling apart. We have this blue bag, my girlfriend and I, that we take to class. There's a couple knee pads. There's a, a book on traveling to Kauai. In your stick bag? Yeah. <laughs> uh, like tape and duct tape um drum keys keys, yeah what else do we have in there ibuprofen no no ibuprofen (laughs) earplugs whistle that's the worst if you're starting your gig and you forgot to wear your whistle (laughs) yeah (laughs) shoot yeah um yeah just standard stuff a couple of sticks like some reggae type sticks that i got from brazil and uh couple of drumsticks Vic Firth mm-hmm. shout out to Vic Firth contact me <laughs> for sponsorship yeah us too <laughs> the Brazilian beat.com yeah. 
Vic Firth, Contemporanea, <laughs> hit us up. Got a million listeners. Lonely Planet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You guys could be like the Rick Steves. Any uh, upcoming gigs or workshops that you'd like to let our listeners know about if they're in the Vancouver area? Uh, well, the big one we're working on right now is the Solstice Parade in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vamala, the group in Seattle, has been doing this parade for, I don't know, 10 years or something, like a long time. And recently they've been getting multiple groups together in the Northwest and forming a group called Bloco Pacifico. And we'll usually learn two pieces, five or six different groups, like Samba John, Eugene, and um, Samba Moore from Arcata usually comes up, and Vamola, and Bloco Energia comes down. And so we learn these two pieces. Yeah, there have been. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dave Mosley. And, oh, yeah, he's there every year. Yeah. And so we're getting ready for that. That's June 17th. We're going to parade after the naked bike ride. That's a fun one. It's like <laughs> two hours parading, huge crowd of people, and they, they love it. Yeah. And uh, there's always a theme. This year is like mad scientist because of the science <laughs> walk, I guess. Yeah. Ah. So there's that one. And then every year, Carnival del Sol, that's a big one in Vancouver. There's a, it's like a Latin festival. Mm-hmm. And so all different, you know, South Central American cultures are represented. So that that's a big one. That was probably the biggest crowd that we've ever played for. A couple of years back, we were up on the stage and we'd been playing a lot for the Women's World Cup, so we were pretty tight. And there must have been like 5,000 people oh in the God. crowd. Wow. Yeah, it was intense. Like the adrenaline was pumping. And, and they were into it. Yeah, they, they were liking it. Um, and you know what? I don't really consider myself as a musician per se, which is funny to say. Um, it's like, I love it. It's a hobby of mine, but you know, during the day I'm working insurance. <laughs> and so I'm up on this stage, like, what the hell am I doing here? <laughs> How did I get here? <laughs> that was pretty crazy. And when is that? That's July 7th and 8th, I think. Nice. Yeah. I think the prime minister's wife is going to talk oh. and then we're going to have to parade her from one stage <laughs> to another stage. Like, it's just weird. Is your prime minister going to be there? <laughs> Do you want to meet him? Yes. <laughs> uh, I don't think he is, but if I talk to him, I'll okay. make sure to yeah. put you guys in touch. Yeah. yeah. Shout out to Justin Trudeau. Yeah. And do you, do you have any shout outs that you'd like to give us? Shout outs. Sure. Shout out to Nick Fabin. The dynamic duo, uh, Marcus, Dudu, Dudu was just up last week. Uh, shout out to the folks in Bloco Energia and yeah, Tilo, what up? What up, Tilo? Some of our biggest fans, Tilo, yeah. Jan, <laughs> shout out. Yeah. yeah, and if I'm forgetting anyone, sorry, shout out to my girlfriend, Veronica, she helps me a lot. That's another thing. I think it's important to have your significant other into it too because it's a, it's a lot of time that you invest and sometimes they don't understand it. Why are you going to play with that hippie group? 
let's see what has been your happiest moment playing this music i think it was that first year in brazil camp at the end you know i just remember that tingling feeling and i improved so much in one week because you're just playing samba for an hour a day straight and coming out of it yeah you know you're brain's tingling and your neurons are all firing up and yeah so that was probably my my happiest moment i would say playing music yeah yeah well marco thank you so much for coming on really appreciate it we've been trying for yeah, this for a while so yeah i know we got it i done. was like gonna be one of the first guests i think but then <laughs> it just never worked out and here I am, hungover on a Sunday after a bachelor party. <laughs> we appreciate <laughs> Doing the it. Beat. Like I've made it. I'm yeah. I'm famous now. <laughs> am I gonna get emails and paparazzi? You might. You might beware. Yeah. At the airport when you leave today, there's gonna be paparazzi there. You you should probably leave early. Yeah, you guys are a big deal now. So yeah, thank you. You know, this, my life is gonna change after this. Be no problem. Contacted by agents, and <laughs> movies, and everything. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you. It's been fun. Thank you, guys. our interview with Marco um, we want to really thank him for coming on that was super cool and coming over to your house too and coming to my house yeah um, if you want to learn more about Bloco Energia you can go to their website it's blocoenergia.org or also find them on their Facebook page we have some shout outs this week one is for Scott I, correct me if I'm wrong Scott Scott Cielo and the folks at Asheville Samba. Scott's a listener, and he also follows us on Instagram and connected with us there and um, gave us some nice little comments. And uh, just glad to hear from some new listeners. And hello. Hello, Asheville. Um, and another bill. How about Samba Nashville? They connected with us. I can't remember how. But um, want to give them a shout-out as well. Also, we'd like to give a big shout out to Jan from Vancouver, BC, also from Local Energia, who was at the World Rhythm Festival, and we got to meet up with him as well as another super fan, Tilo. Hello, Tilo. Shout out to Tilo. Um, so, hello to them. Um, and then also, Courtney, we have one last shout out. Would you like to say that one? Yeah, so another shout out to my husband, Arthur Black. For, um, tweaking our logo a little bit he added podcast to the um, to the logo so people would know what exactly the Brazilian beat was so anyway thanks Arthur Black oh and thanks uh, also a shout out to my husband who just took me to dinner at Siri Indian restaurant in Northwest <laughs> Portland <laughs> so shout out to him for the good dinner what did you order um, I ordered the chicken tikka and I ordered and some garlic naan and uh, some I'm going to have lots of leftovers for lunch tomorrow and some um, um, uh, <laughs> I can't think of the name of it 
um, okra. <laughs> that was a hard name. And some okra. So, it's yum. Awesome. Send us your group's audio. If you'd like to have your group's audio featured on the podcast, please send us um, some audio and a description of your group, and we'll uh, talk about you. Also, please write us on iTunes. Give us a nice rating there. We'd love to hear from you. You can find uh, information and photos of our guests at www.thebrazilianbeat.com. If you have any suggestions or um, suggestions for guests, um, you can email us at the, well, not at. <laughs> you can email us thebrazilianbeat at gmail.com. Uh, we're on Twitter, BrazilianBeat1. That's the number one. Facebook, you can find us there. Just search for the Brazilian Beat Podcast. We're on Instagram, the Brazilian Beat. And uh, you can listen to us, you can stream us through our website or um, through iTunes, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Google Play, and Player FM. And thanks for listening. Ciao.